Have you seen a jubilee? No, I haven't seen one. Have you seen one? Yeah. How do I get to see one? You have to be on a call list. Who do I call for the call list? You got to call Joe. All right, I'll call Joe. Just waiting because the only way you know that a jubilee is happening is if someone else tells you about it. She, she rolls out of bed and, and she wakes up her husband. Hey, it's a jubilee. It's happening right now. He wakes up and jumps out of bed. She pops in her contact lenses. They get in the car and drive 15 minutes down to the road. Her friend Donna is there waiting for her with a cup of coffee and a, an equally sleepy grin. They walk out onto Donna's back porch and she can see it. She can see the bay from where she's standing. She can see the ripples of water and she knows exactly what she's going to find as she makes her way down to the shores. You see, there are only two places in the world that this happens. Mobile Bay, Alabama, and Tokyo. And it, the reason is because there is this interesting flow of water that happens where seawater and clean water mix together. They come in in layers, and the stratification of two different types of water together causes a lack of oxygen. And so every animal in the ocean seeking oxygen comes to the surface. And she walks out into the water with eels swimming between her legs and crabs and shrimp, and the abundance is huge, and she grabs their, grab their, uh, they grab their nets, and they're just bringing in these fish. It's crustaceans. A feast is happening. Abundance has been provided. And they get to be there for the joy of the celebration. It only lasts a short period of time, and once it's over, they go back, and, and Karen is in tears saying goodbye to her friend. She looks at her, and, and then she says, being a part of a jubilee is not something to be taken for granted. Being a part of a jubilee is not something to be taken for granted. And there's a picture of, of what they look like. A couple of years ago, I was asked, it was actually more than a, it was a lot of years ago, I don't know how many years ago, I was asked to do a book study with uh, the staff at Westerville Church of the Nazarene, and I was looking and I thought, man, there's, you know, all these great books that are out there, it's deep theology, but it had, was shortly after my sister had passed away, and, um, and the idea of what it meant to be blessed by God was really heavy on my heart, because I didn't feel very blessed. I felt very mournful. I felt very broken. I, I felt hurt. I, I, I didn't understand. I was confused. And there were all these things that came. And I was like, so what does the blessing of God mean? What does it mean that he blesses those who mourn? What is it? And so as I was seeking this out for myself, and if you want to know more about like blessing those who mourn, watch last week's uh, service. It's online. Um, <laughs> you can go listen to it if you weren't here. Um, so I, I picked out this book um, by Karen Spears Zacharias. It's called, Will Jesus Buy Me a Double Wide Because I Need More Room for My Plasma TV? Um, yes, you should laugh. It's a fantastic book. It is just chock full of amazing stories of people and what blessing has looked like in their lives. The story that I just told you came straight from this book. It actually was Karen's experience.
experiencing the jubilee for herself. We find that God ordained jubilee, that it was part of what he wanted for his people, this compassionate, gracious, loving, slave-freeing God looked at his people and said, you need a day where freedom, a year where freedom is the center of everything that we do. In Leviticus chapter 25, um, the, the Lord is describing to them what Jubilee looks like. Beginning in verse 8, it says, In addition, count off seven Sabbath years, seven sets of seven years, adding to 49 years. And then on the day of atonement, when we are forgiven of our sins, we are atoned for our sins, we are cleansed from our sins. On the day of atonement, blow the ram's horn loud throughout the year. This is a year that is set apart throughout the whole land. It is a year of freedom for everyone. It will be a year of jubilee for you. You can return to the land that belonged to your ancestors. You can return to your own clan. During this time, you don't have to plant your fields, for God has already provided for you. He has stored up in abundance for you. You must keep it holy. You see, during the Day of Atonement, the blowing of the ram's horn happens. It indicates the year of Jubilee, and this year is dedicated to rest. Can you imagine having a whole year dedicated to rest? Praise the Lord. To restoration of people's properties, to the freeing of people from debts and from servitude and from slavery. And the Israelites would dedicate this year knowing that God would provide for all of their needs. A year of jubilee. A day of atonement. Okay, how does the year of jubilee, Pastor Rachel, pair up at all with this passage that we're reading from Luke chapter 6 today? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you guys are great. We start out with this, this verse and we're just going to kind of walk through them. In verse, in verse 35, we start out with this idea that completely blew my mind as I read it. it Jesus is telling, uh, this is the Sermon on the Mount. And remember, last week we talked about how the Sermon on the Mount was what? Jesus was preaching about the kingdom of God. So we have to look at this passage through the lens of this is not about our humanity. This is not about how we live on this earth necessarily. This is about what the kingdom of God looks like when we behave like members of the kingdom of God. He said, love your enemies and do good to them. And then the next part says, uh, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. I wasn't planning on preaching until yesterday around noon because um, we weren't going to be here. And so we're on our way back from this trip, and Matt and Miranda and I are sitting there, and we're just talking about what does this mean. I was like, that's just jacked up. I mean, I, would like, I was like, Matt and Miranda, I would lend you guys money, like whatever. I said, actually, I don't even like lending to people. Like, I'd just rather give it to them. I'd rather be like, yeah, you need 100, don't worry about it. Like, you can pay me back, whatever. But I'd, I'd just rather not even have that attachment there, um, this idea of, like, lending. But Who's going to lend to their enemies anyways? Like, you think about the person that maybe you're, you're struggling in a relationship with. Now, many of us don't have, like, enemies, like, 
you know, we're not out, we're not out fighting battles like King David was, but um, we, we think, okay, if, would I really just lend money to anybody? Um, but, but this terminology, lend to them, it doesn't mean give. Now, that's even easier. Like, we can go, yeah, I would give it to my enemies. Like, I love the Lord. I know that's what he, I, like, I can give. But lending there is now a relationship, right? There's a give and a take and this idea of lending to my enemies. And then Jesus goes on, and you're like, are you going to resolve that for us? I don't know. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> so what do we do with this? And then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting like children of the Most High, for he is kind to those who are kind to him. For he is kind to those who give generously. For he is kind to those who love their neighbors as themselves. That's not what this says. It says, for Jesus is kind. The Most High is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You. So we've got this God who is an example who is kind to those, do you remember? Do you remember what your life was like before Jesus? Unkind, wicked, sinful, gross, messed up. And God did not cast us aside. Instead, he was compassionate towards us. He goes on to tell us that we too, if we are going to be like Jesus, if we are going to be kingdom people, then we must be compassionate just as our Father is compassionate. We too must be a compassionate people. God treats us like we are the best ever when we are at our worst. He carries us through devastating times. He's there in the struggle, even if the struggle is our own fault. It doesn't matter to God. Love doesn't come in waves and measures. It is equally distributed to all of humanity. Why? Because he wants to reconcile us back to him. And how does reconciliation come? He goes on to tell us. He says, don't judge others, for you're going to be judged. Does compassion and reconciliation come us distributing judgment on other people? No. Man, but that's hard. It's hard when we live in a world that tells us we know best, that we are the smartest person in the room, that our experiences, we have the opportunity and we should dispense all of our knowledge and wisdom upon other people. We judge them in their circumstances. And God says, be careful of that. For the way that you judge others, you also will be judged. Jesus uses a lot of measurement language in here. And I, I found that in the Jewish Mishnah, um, in verse 37, it, it literally says, when you judge, when you judge, Incline the balance in his favor. Incline the balance in his favor. When we look at someone else who is struggling, 
who is devastated, who is unkind, ungrateful, broken, and sinful, and we want to come in and make judgments about that person. Jesus is saying, you take the balance and you incline it in their favor. You bring them up above your judgment. You think more highly of them than you would otherwise. If you weren't kingdom people, this is what you should do. He says, don't condemn others. It'll come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. So what does all of this look like? What does it look like for Jesus to treat us, God to treat us at our best, like we are at our best when we're at our worst? What does it look like for us to do that with others? Really, we have to have kingdom imaginations, people. We have to be able to think outside of the box. We have to think outside of where we are living. We have to even think outside of our own experiences, our own struggles, our own prejudices. We have to come outside of that box, and we have to be imagineers. That's what we call them at Disney. Imagineers. We are creating something new, something beautiful. The kingdom of God means that we act compassionate. God is compassionate. We think, what would it be like if we all really lived like Jesus? What would it be like? What would it be like for us to be compassionate to those who were broken? For us to distribute judgment in such a way where we look at the person we are judging at a higher level than we do ourselves? What if we quit condemning What if we became a people of generosity? This verse gets broken down a lot in our English language, and we really like to mess with it, um, especially prosperity gospel people. Um, They they like to take it and go, okay, give and you will receive. And your gift, and so we pull the verse out. But we've learned that we're not allowed to do that, right? We don't get to take verses out of context. This verse comes with all of the other verses before us. It comes with love your enemies. It comes with be compassionate. It comes with don't be judgmental or condemning. Be a forgiving people. And then he goes into give and you will receive. And I love this imagery. My grandmother was a phenomenal baker. Um, And she baked all kinds of cookies. For those of you that were here for the orange cookie sermon, she would bake like a billion of these and ship them all over the world. I'm I'm not exaggerating a little bit. And so she was just this phenomenal cook. I loved her meringue. Oh, my goodness, I could just, like, eat the meringue off off of the pie as she got done making it. But I remember watching her bake. And it was the first time I'd ever seen anyone use a a sifter. So she had, like, a sifter, which we still we still have to this day, and and so she would take the flour and she would put it in the sifter, and then you crank the wheel, right? You crank the wheel, and it adds some air to air to the flour, makes it a little more fluffier than it would have been in the dense bag, and um, and it takes out the clumps and it breaks it apart. We are not sifting people. Jesus is not sifting us whenever He's bestowing generosity upon us. When we are a generous people, God is giving to us, not out of a sift, not adding a bunch of air and fluff and stuff. He is doing it like brown sugar, baby. You make 
chocolate chip cookies and you take that brown sugar out and you go, all right, and you pull it out of the container. And then what do you do? You take a spoon or you take your fingers and you just push that brown sugar down in there because you're going, how much more brown sugar can I fit in these cookies? Because that's the way Jesus would want it. It's in the word of God. And so we're pounding the brown sugar down in until like, you can get so much brown sugar in that half a cup. I feel like, man, I got a cup of brown sugar in that half cup. That was phenomenal. He just said, this is what it's like when you live as kingdom people. This is what happens to you when you're not living in judgment of others, when you're not living in condemnation of others, when you are forgiving others, when you are giving generously, when you're doing all of those things, God comes in in a kingdom-sized way, in a way that only God can be generous to us. And he takes all of that and he packs his generosity in and he keeps packing it in. And when it looks like there isn't room for more, he's shoving it down in there with his thumbs and with a spoon and he packs more in until it is overflowing into our laps. The beauty that God gives back to us when we live like kingdom people, is beyond measure. It's beyond expectation. It's, it's beyond what we can even begin to comprehend. It's the year of jubilee every day. Every day we get to live as a people of jubilee because Jesus came. Every day is a day of atonement because every day Jesus is waiting to cleanse you and to heal you, to wipe away the gunk and the sin in your life. And it doesn't matter that you've been unkind or you've been sinful. He doesn't care. He bestows compassion upon you anyways. He bestows his kindness upon you anyways. He, he inclines the balance in your favor he inclines the balance in your favor anyways. The message says it this way. Giving, not getting, is the way. Generosity begets generosity. When we learn to be a generous people, and a lot of times this scripture is read in the context of, of tithing and of giving of money, I, here's the deal. God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your money. Benita is our treasurer. She's over there sitting, yeah, but he's got to. God doesn't need your money. He already owns it all anyways. Everything already belongs to God. We say that all like liturgically. We say it every single week when we pray. Out of our little or out of our much, we give back to God with joyful hearts. Because what? It all belongs to him anyways. He doesn't need it. You know why he wants you to be generous? For you. He wants you to be generous. He didn't demand that we tithe because he needs a 10% of what we've got. It's not like that. God says, I want all of you. I want every ounce of who you are. I don't want you to hold anything back from me. I want you to be willing to sacrifice in every area of your life. Generosity begets generosity. We have a generous God who gives to us generously forgiveness, peace, love, grace. He bestows upon us in measure that is pouring out into our laps. And in return, he asks us to live like Jesus. 
he asks us to do the same. At the end of Karen's story about the Jubilee and all of this fish and crustaceans and this party that they're going to have, she says, when we become so concerned about bringing in the biggest haul, more for me, hoarding up, storing it, keeping it safe, When we worry about bringing in the biggest haul, we completely miss out on the joyful abundance that God has already given to us. We miss out. But I just want to challenge you this week. In those moments where you might be quick to judge, incline the balance. When you find that it's difficult for you to be compassionate, incline the balance. When you want to be condemning, or you're frustrated, or you want to be unkind and return to those who have been unkind to you, incline the balance. And when you think about being generous with your time, your resources, your life, your love, Incline the balance. And I promise you, as we do that, as we do that, oh, no eye has seen and no ear has heard, no heart has imagined the things that God has in store. It may not be that you give your last dime and the Lord returns to you at a hundredfold, and a surprise check in the mail. It may not be that you find that you've completely sidestepped judgment from other people because you've lived a non-judgmental life. What you will find is that you experience the peace of God like never who experiences joy like never before. Oh, what joy is attached to life of generosity. It brings our Father great joy. When we live like Jesus, it brings us great joy. Now is the time. Now is the year of Jubilee. Did you get the phone call at 545 this morning? The graciousness and abundance of our God (laughs) is waiting for you. It's waiting for you to experience, to partake in, to live out in the lives of others. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Will you just take a moment to ask the Lord, God, in what areas of my life do I need to incline the balance? Maybe it's in generosity and in giving. Maybe it's just struggling with judgment and condemnation.
May we have taken steps of faith to be compassionate in huge imagination kind of ways that you've never done before. Oh God, we give you praise today that you inclined the balance for us. That when we deserve death, you gave us life. When we deserve slavery, you set us free. God, help us to be that people. Help us to be people who think less of ourselves so that they can see you more clearly. Think less of ourselves so that we can be more compassionate and generous. Oh, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We pray all this in your name today. Amen. Will you stand with me for the benediction? It was good to see you all today. A couple of things you can do, all right? One, um, there on the welcome, on the welcome uh, station as you leave today, there's a list of prayer requests. Grab these. Um, it, it talks about pre special prayer concerns in our family. Reach out to those people over the next couple of weeks. Be a people of compassion. Incline towards those who are in need. It has a list of our shut-ins. Um, our nursing homes have been shut down to visitors. Um, send cards. Uh, send cards to our nursing homes. We've got a couple people that are, um, that are in nursing homes right now. And if you need their addresses, let us know. If you need phone numbers, you can connect with Janice. We'll make sure that you get those so that you can reach out to our people. Be compassionate and generous. Be praying for our people. You also are going to see this week um, the Tim Monroe Community Services is doing their summer lunch program now. So they are working to help feed kids that might have free or reduced lunch in our community. Um, we're going to be doing a drive to help get food together. So um, if you can find any food anywhere. Um, or you may just have some in your cabinet. So prepackaged snacks, things like that. We'll get information out um, on our webpage today or tomorrow. And you can bring those things by here or drop them off at, um, is it, Carol, should they drop them off at Tim Monroe Community Services or at the Methodist Church? Do you know? Okay, there you go. Yep, yeah, so you can drop them off downtown, you can drop them off here, take them for you. Let's be generous um, with all that we have during this time where it seems like the whole world's doing a whole lot of hoarding. <laughs> As you go from this place today, may God's gracious, compassionate love be upon you. And may you, in turn, incline the scales. May God be with you. May he bless you and keep you. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>